<laughs> oh, well, I've been, uh, we've been in Chronicles, First Chronicles on Wednesday nights. Uh, we're studying the prayer of Jabez, we're about halfway through that. And in my regular reading, I'm in Second Chronicles. And as I was reading, and I didn't give you, did, Tim, did I give you this? Oh, I do pretty good, don't I, Tim? And I, it just entered my mind. So tonight I'm in Second Chronicles chapter 20. If I, if I hadn't said a word, you wouldn't have known. Tim would have found it. Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. And we'll probably go through, I don't know, verse 29. So, uh, but I've been reading uh, in Chronicles. And part of Chronicles is... Uh, some of it's not terribly exciting, but as I was reading this, it talked about uh, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, and his prayer that he prayed, and it talked about the 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 people coming together during that time, and then they all just stood there, and then God comes and answers and tells them what to do, and as I was reading this, I was just thinking, boy, that would have been that would have been something to have seen. And so I just started studying this a little bit. And so tonight, we're going to read quite a few uh, verses. And there's all kinds of names in here. And I'm sure I'm going to just not get them all right. But just, uh, you know, be kind and and uh, don't tease me too much about it. So let's all stand in honor of God's Word tonight. And just kind of listen to what's going on here. They, they're in a bad spot. Judah is in a bad spot here. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Mennonites, yeah, these were the Mennonites from, from Seymour. Those were some bad guys. Uh, it's the Meunites. The Meunites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. And some men came and told Jehosh- Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the sea, it is already at Hazazan, Tamar, alarmed. Now, he's, he's alarmed. He's upset about this. Jehoshaphat resolved, and this is important here. He's alarmed, and then he resolved. And this is the word we're going to kind of study tonight, resolved, because it has a very important meaning, to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, and this is, this is the prayer, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress. And you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. 
whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they, have re- see how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You ever get in a place where you don't know what to do? This is where they're at. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and the little ones stood before the Lord. And this is one of my favorite parts of that verse. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. And then there's nothing. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benil, and son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, that is what the Lord, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then came the Levites from from the Kahathites and the Korah, anyway, those guys stood up and praised the Lord and the God of Israel, and were very, and with, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tico. And they came out, and they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. This is a good battle plan, isn't it? Let's sing. That was their plan. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, and also articles of value more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day they assembled at the valley of Barak, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies they entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets and this is what I like the fear of the Lord 
came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Let's pray. Lord, we ask tonight that we would resolve to give you the battles in our life. And Father, tonight we have read a story about one of your kings and your people who stood together and decided that the course of action was to let you have control. And Father, tonight I don't know all the things that people are facing here this evening. But Father, I know that you are the answer to each one. And no matter what it is, you can overcome it. So Father, help us to go to you in prayer and believe that you still go to battle for your people. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I preached several weeks ago about having more faith in the problem than we do in God to overcome the problem. And since then, we've been studying prayer on Wednesday night. And during the study, we've seen several people that pray in the Bible. And I have noticed that they pray with lots of passion. And they really believe that prayer makes a difference. They have a lot of faith in what they're praying. And we've been looking at the prayer of Jabez. In the first part of the prayer of Jabez, he prays for the Lord to bless him. And he's really saying, God, whatever you really want for me, whatever's in your mind for me to have, I want. He is expecting God to give him what he asked for. He's expecting God to deliver what he's asking for. I'm afraid that we pray but we don't really expect God to deliver. We pray just to say that we're praying, but in the back of our minds, we're usually trying to find a way that we can fix something, and we don't just let God do it. And it's just, we we pray and we kind of hope he moves, but we don't really expect him to move. In this verse 3 here, it says that he was alarmed. And, and if you had a group of people in a, in a vast army, it said a vast army. Vast is, means a bunch. And uh, it says that he was alarmed. All these people were coming, and they weren't coming to be nice. They weren't coming because they were upset at him. They were coming because they, they were aiming to kill him. They were aiming to uh, annihilate Judah and it wasn't like someone was upset at him. They were, they were wanting him to be dead. And they're going to overrun the kingdom and do God knows what to him and, and the people. And so he had reason to be alarmed. But I want, to take note, I want you to take notice of this word, resolved. I, uh, I looked it up in the, in the Webster Dictionary. And I found the definition of resolved. And... This is, this is kind of paraphrased, but this is what it says. It said that you take a look at a problem. It means that you take a look at what the problem is, and you break down every bit of it until you have one course of action. It means you look at all the things that, are, that, are, that you can do. You look at this problem and say, well, I could do this or this or this or this or this or this. But when you resolve... That means you've looked at all of your courses of action, of all the things that you could do, and you decide on one. Resolve means that I've decided that this is the one thing that I'm going to do. I've looked at all the other things that I could do, and this is the one thing I'm going to do. And I really like this definition because the king had several things that he could have done. 
There were several different choices that he had here. I wrote down just a few of them. He could have ran off. If there's a whole bunch of people trying to kill you, uh, running off is definitely a course of action that you could take. And, And probably people wouldn't blame you. There's probably, I'm sure... There were people in there that said, we ought, to just, we ought to just run away. Let's just run off. And so that was something he could have done. They could have surrendered. And there's always a group of people that doesn't want to fight and doesn't want to be involved. And they always say, oh, let's just give up. Let's just, you know, there's always those people. And so that was something he could have done. They could have fought. They could have gathered everybody up together, got all the able-bodied men together and decided this is a plan that we're going to do. We get all of our troops together. We try to find all the, all the weapons that we can muster together. We set together people that would be uh, over different groups. And, and we would come up with a battle plan and try to figure out how we can fight these guys. And that was, that was absolutely a plan that he could have done. They could have figured out a strategy to fight. Then they could have figured out if this fails, what are we going to do? And all these things are going through his mind. You have to understand that if you're the king, then you're, you're thinking about what's going to happen to the kingdom. Are they going to burn everything down? What's going to happen to our kids, to our women? And, and in, during that time, most of the time, uh, they would take uh, the people that they didn't kill and they would take them and use them as slaves and things like that. And that's just the way they did. And so all these things are weighing on his mind. And he looks at all of the different options that he has in this situation and he resolves something he looks at all of the courses of action possible and he resolves that his course of action will be to call upon the name of the lord to pray to god to it says in here to require in require of god inquire of god Of all the things he could do, of all the actions he could take, of all the plans he could make, of all the things that he could put together, he says, my course of action, after looking at all these things, my course of action, my one course of action will be that I will inquire of God. We're not going to go to war. We're not going to try to pay them off. We're not going to try to meet them with troops. We're not going to retreat. We're not going to have peace talks or treaties or anything like that. We, our action is going to be, we're going to, requ- we're going to inquire of God. So he calls his, his nation together and says, we're going to have a fast and we're going to pray. Can you imagine if our leadership of our country called us together for a day of fasting and prayer? I can't imagine that, but uh, I mean, can you imagine? I I think that it would probably, if if that did happen, if we had someone that would call us to that, they would be met with a lot of ridicule in the day and age we live in. People will go, that's, that is really a dumb thing to do. How's that going to save us? How's that going to turn things around? And and, uh, anyway, I I just started thinking about that and I, I was wondering what would happen and in the day and age we live in we we don't even really hardly think of that as a course of action do we we say well we need to 
to put troops here or put troops there. We need to put sanctions here or sanctions there. We need to do diplomatic talks here and there. But how often do you hear of the leadership of the world calling their nation together and say, hey, we're going to fast and we're going to pray. That is hardly, I, I don't know if I've ever heard of that of being, as being a course of action. But this was this guy's course of action. Instead of doing those things, we plot and plan and try to get everybody's input and we take polls and we ask people and and we ask all the experts and things like that and we talk to everybody but God. And this guy said, my one plan is I'm going to talk to God. Now I know uh, we're talking about like the leaders of our nations, but don't don't we kind of do the same thing? We're faced with something and we think, well, if I ask people, maybe they can give me, uh, I'll try to get everybody's opinion about this or I'll talk to people about this or maybe I'll read an article on the internet about this or maybe I'll put a question out to Facebook and I'll ask this or I'll ask everybody or I'll ask my mom and dad or whatever. And really the thing we ought to be doing is going to God. The first course of action in every situation should be that I'm going to cry out to God and inquire of him. And if this was this guy's first course of action, shouldn't that, I mean, he's facing something that probably none of us are ever going to face. And he's facing this terrible, terrible dilemma. And he says, my resolve action will be, I am going to call on the living God. This guy is facing all kinds of big problems and he says we're gonna fast and pray and i'm thinking maybe that's what we should do he calls the nation to a fast and the people fasted they actually did it they they showed up and they and they fasted together and they began to pray and they had it says that they had people from every town show up and these people had more faith in god than they did in the problem that was facing them they knew about the armies out there and they knew what was going to happen and they knew that there wasn't anything that they could probably do the word literally says that there was nothing they could do they didn't know what to do and they said we're going to fast and pray And they had people from every town. And they believed prayer was not one of the options they had, not one of many options. It was the option. It was the number one option. It was, it was, this is the best thing we can do in this situation. Is that the way we approach our problems? Do we look at the things that are going on around us and say, well, I could do this and this and this? Or do we say, you know, the best thing I could do in this situation is go to the living God and see what he says about it. I'm going to inquire of God. But usually it may be part of what we do, but it's not our number one option. We kind of act like we don't believe prayer matters. Oh, we, we pray, but do we really believe? These folks believed that it mattered. They believed that fasting and prayer that made a difference. And then God comes, came through and the word says that they came from every town. People from all over came together and fasted and prayed. On the 4th of October, we'll begin a 40 day fall fast. We did this last year before we had our turkey giveaway. We're going to take the money from our fall fast 
and we're going to buy cars like we did before. And people say, why do you call the church to a fast? And, that's a, and that is a good point because fasting really is something that you're not really supposed to tell people that you're doing. And uh, isn't that something that, you know, people say, isn't that something between you and God? And, and they're right. That, that's a really, really good point. But the thing about when I call you to a fast, I don't ask you to tell me what you're doing. I don't care. I want you to do something. I'm just, and the word says here that, that the leader was able to come and, and, and that he had every right and that he should from time to time call the assembly to a fast. So I think it's okay for me to every now and then ask the church, hey, we're going to come together and we're going to fast. And we have a purpose for this and we're going to be praying for, for a revival and things like that. But ultimately you decide and it's between you and God. But the reason I call the church body to a fast is because when I see it in scriptures like this, we see that somehow or another, and I don't know why, but somehow or another it moves the heart of God to do extraordinary things. I know for a fact that there was fasting and praying going on when Jenny Noriega, who we had here this morning, was at the turkey giveaway. There's people that was fasting and praying for her. She didn't know them and they didn't know her. But something extraordinary happened out of that. Now, it took several years for it to happen. And she told you this morning, I just come and get a turkey. I just come to steal the pastor's car, you know. And she did those things. But God changed everything because somebody was fasting and praying. You don't know 10 years from now who might be radically changed for God if we as a church became very serious about fasting and praying and and seeking for God to move in a mighty way. You say, well, this is different, Pastor. We don't have an army outside the city limits of Marshfield ready to come upon us and and destroy us. Those, Those were dire times. And, and, and their needs were really, really real. And, uh, and so, you know, th- those, those were really a hard, those were hard times. Do you read the news? Do you watch TV? Folks, we're, we're, in, we're in dire trouble. The world we live in is a mess. And we are seeing things happen that, that we haven't seen since the last world war. All right? We're, we're in a bad place. And, and it's not just the people and, and the things that are going on with people because it's never really that battle anyway. We always have an enemy who is out to seek to steal and kill and destroy. And he is always there, all the time, always seeking to kill, always seeking to steal, and always seeking to destroy your family. And he's a real enemy, and he's always ready to do that. And we may not really see him, but we have a real enemy all the time. But he doesn't just seek to destroy life. Here, he seeks to destroy us for eternity, and that's way worse than what these guys were facing. These guys, we're talking about the physical life being gone, but, but Satan seeks to destroy our whole eternity. And that's a real enemy. Their resolved choice when facing a real enemy was to come to the Lord. 
was to, was to pray and to fast. And the Bible says that they all prayed and fasted together. And Jehoshaphat stands and, and prays this prayer. And I mean, I, I love this prayer. And, and uh, he prays like a man in need. But also he prays like a guy who believes that God can help. And we know that he has faith. We don't see him making any other plans. This was the plan. And he believes in the plan. And I love this prayer. He says, God, you're God. And God, you think God doesn't know he's God? I mean, I don't think God ever has an identity crisis. I really don't know who I am. I'm going to go find my... No, he's God. He, he knows who he is. But there's something about God loves for us to say, God, you are God. You are the Almighty you are the, the beginning and the end. You are the creator of all things. And he wants to know that we really believe that. And he likes to hear us say that. He likes to hear that you believe that he is God. That it, and it's good to say it out loud. And I think too often we pray, but it's not our resolve plan. We kind of pray to make sure that the bases are covered. But we're busy making plans and researching and asking people what we need to do and asking advice when we f- should just really get on our faces and give the situation to God. The people came together and they believed together. We need to pray together. We need families praying together with their families. We need moms and dads and kids coming together and fasting and praying together. And I think people say, oh, well, you know, my kid, they they just couldn't go without a meal. Yeah, they could. It might be good as a family for families to come together and say, hey, look, I know you're going to be hungry. We're all going to fast together. They learn everything else. It wouldn't hurt for them to learn to fast. Um, The word tells us that that they all fasted together and they prayed together and then all stood and they waited on God for the answer we don't like to skip a meal and the truth is we don't like to pray because it seems like it wouldn't matter and we sure don't like to stand and wait but these guys say that they stood and they and they were waiting and then god spoke but we don't like to wait but we wait at chick-fil-a i went there the other day they had a line running out to the street and I was like, I don't want to stay and wait on this. And Cindy goes, yes, you do. And I said, you know, you're right. I really do. Because <laughs> it's so good. We wait, we'll wait for the Chick-fil-A. And we'll wait at the bank. And if you go to an amusement park, you wait in line for that. And you wait at, uh, I'm telling you, you know, how, you know how bad off it is. We wait at McDonald's. I was over there the other day. They had two lanes backed all the way up. I waited for a sweet tea and a sausage biscuit. (laughs) It's bad when you wait for McDonald's, but we do. But we don't want to wait on God. We want him to answer just like that. We don't want to wait on God. We We don't want our kids to have to fast and pray and wait, but that's not asking too much, is it? Is that asking too much for all of us to to fast and pray a little bit? These folks did. 
And they did these things as a family, and it talks about their wives and their little ones. They did it as a family together. We need to fast and pray as families. And maybe if we got enough families to do it together, we would be doing it as a nation. But when the group, when this group moved and began to fast and pray, God moved too. Do you think God wants to do that today? I think He does. I think he does. I think he's just waiting for the church to come together and gather all their wives and their little ones because this moved him. Why don't we gather our wives and little ones together and just stand and pray and fast and wait for God to move on us? God would love to move on the church. God would love to go to battle against evil in our homes, and he would love to go to battle against evil in our kids' lives. Would God like to go to battle against Satan who is seeking to defeat homes and marriages? Yes, he would love to do that. But he likes for us to go to our knees and to pray and fast. Notice that, that God won the battle. And he says, you don't, even need, you don't need to fight. I'll do it. You don't have to do anything. Come to me in prayer. I'll take care of it. We don't think he can take care of it. You know, he took care of this. Can you imagine? There's, there's forces all around Marshfield. We ain't got enough people to fight them off. And we got a pretty well, I say we have a pretty well-armed city. We couldn't fight off an army. And God's come, God comes to them and he says, don't worry about it. I'll do it. I'll do it. You ask me to do it. I'll do it. God wants to take whatever it is that's going on in your life. And he wants to say, believe that I can do it because I can. And this bunch believed, and God did. And we just need to come and say, God, you do it. We need to resolve. We need to look. We we don't even need to look at all those things that we could do. We just need to say, okay, we're just going to God. That was the resolved plan. And decide that we're going to fast and pray until we get an answer. But usually we try everything else, and I would encourage you to read this and think about it. Then resolve to fast and pray and believe God for a miracle. God moved. They didn't didn't have to do nothing. Can you imagine walking up over that hill and everything that you thought was going to destroy you is laying there dead? Everything that you thought was going to happen to you, everything that you thought was going to bring all kinds of disaster upon you is gone. You know that God wants to do that with the problems in your life? The things that you face and the things that that you think are the things that are going to destroy you, God says, why don't you give them to me and I will take care of them and they will be gone. He still does that. And I think he would still like to do it. But he calls upon his church to believe and to come together and fast and pray. We're going to talk about this some more coming in the upcoming weeks. But I would encourage you to get in the Word. I would encourage you to read this story. I love this story. And allow, and when you start thinking about, how am I going to react to this situation or this situation or this situation? Resolve means... I look at all my actions that I could do and I pick out one. And according to the word, the one that we are to do is to fast and pray. Church, that's what God has called us to. And I pray that we would.
Let's stand. Father, tonight your word is convicting upon our hearts. Father, I, I know in my own life, things come up and I try to figure them out. And Lord, I want my reaction to be resolve that you, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to fast and pray for your answer. For Father, you say, hey, you don't, you don't have to do nothing. You've asked me, I'm going to take care of it. Father, help us to resolve and believe that you seek to take care of our lives and help us to believe that you will. Father, help us as the church to gather together our families and like the word says here, and our little ones, teach them, Father, to come together and fast and pray as a family, as a group, and then to stand and wait for your answer. Father, I pray that this would be so. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name.